are listening to Dr. P's Daily Time Machine. Episode 21, Man Without a Country. Hello and welcome to the Time Machine. Today we'll travel back 77 years, deep to the middle of World War II, to the dramatic anthology series Brownstone Theater, which ran for less than a year from February to September of 1945 and for only 12 episodes. This show was directed by Jack McGregor and narrated by the mellifluous Clayton Hamilton. Famous for adaptations of popular stories and plays, Brownstone Theater describes itself as a theater of tales from the past, and this story is no different. Originally written in 1807 by Edward Hale and transcribed for radio by Jock McGregor, we travel back to a tale of a young lieutenant who is tried for treasonous crimes. The lieutenant, Nolan, goes as far as to shout, I wish I may never hear of the United States again during his trial. This story can be a bit confusing at times, so for some context on a few things, this was aired in May 1945, less than three months before the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. The original story was published in 1963 to bolster support for the Union in the North. A name that comes up frequently in this story is one of Aaron Burr, who for context was historically tried for treason in 1807. Nolan, who develops a friendship with Burr, and a strong hatred for the United States eventually leads to him being put on trial and a harsh lifetime sentence. So sit back, relax, and think of home as you travel back 77 years to the middle of World War II on May 30th, 1945, and Brownstone Theater presenting Man Without a Country. Good evening. It's a great pleasure to welcome you in the Brownstone Theater, the theater of my memories and your imagination. Our play this evening, however, is a story of everyone's memories. It is one of the most famous of all American stories, The Man Without a Country, by Edward Everett Hale. It first appeared in 1853, and it has long been regarded as a classic. Our dramatization tonight is by a young man in our armed services, Specialist First Class, Hal Davis, USNR. Our story begins in the year 1807. A young lieutenant, Philip Nolan, has been tried on charges rising out of his participation in a plot against the government of the United States, a plot instigated by Aaron Burr. The evidence against Nolan has been conclusive, and as our curtain rises, the presiding officer of the trial Colonel Morgan has summoned the prisoner to face the court. There will be order. Lieutenant Nolan, the court has found a verdict of guilty against you. We have considered your case thoroughly. It has been proved that you were willing to be false to the service. It has been proved that you were ready to follow the commands of Aaron Burr, whatever they may have been, wherever they may have led. And yet, before sentences passed, you may wish to say something. 
I have nothing to say. You do not wish to say anything to show that you have been faithful to the United States? I have said all that I have to say. And you wish to say nothing to show that you did not intend to betray the United States? Damn the United States! I wish that I may never hear of the United States again! The court will recess. Marshal, you will have the prisoner rise and face the court. Prisoner, are you ready to hear the sentence of this court? Yes, I'm ready. Lieutenant Nolan, this court decides, subject to the approval of the president, that you never hear the name of the United States again so long as you shall live. Lieutenant Mitchell, may I present Philip Nolan, your passenger. Welcome aboard, Nolan. My honor, Lieutenant. Captain Danforth, shall we go to my cabin where we can talk? Shall I go along, or will that be an intrusion? If you'll remain here on deck, Mr. Nolan, uh, we'll call you when we want you. Now, here are your orders, Lieutenant Mitchell. Nolan will be fed and berthed as befits his former rank of Lieutenant in the Army. However, he must never hear of the United States again. He may read no books, receive no information, no conversation regarding the United States is to be held in his presence. Is that clear, Lieutenant? Is he permitted to read newspapers? Providing all news about the United States is taken out beforehand. It will be difficult for my officers. I understand that, but it can't be helped. Yes? Excuse me, sir, but this gentleman here would like to... May I join you now, sirs? Do you mind? Not at all, you... <clears throat> Mr. Nolan, uh, Captain Danforth was just leaving. Not because of my presence, I trust, Captain? No, no, not at all, Mr. Nolan. Uh, you know, I think I'll enjoy life on the ocean. It's good for the health, you know. Nothing to do but loll in the sun and enjoy the breezes. They can become wearing after a while. Oh, you don't think I'll be here that long, do you, Lieutenant? Hmm? I'm not without friends. I venture to predict that I'm ashore before you. That remains to be seen. If I may ask, where and when are we sailing? We sail within the hour. The route takes us round the Cape of Good Hope. Indeed. Oh, that's quite a long trip, Lieutenant Mitchell. A trip without an ending, Mr. Nolan. That was wonderful, Lieutenant Hathaway. You know, I'm beginning to enjoy these afternoon readings on the quarter deck immensely. Yes, just the thing to pass these long afternoons at sea, Captain. May I join you, sir? Why, certainly, certainly, Mr. Nolan. We're reading again this afternoon. Ooh. What's the book this time? A new work by Walter Scott. It's called The Lay of the Last Minstrel. I picked it up from a British officer when we put into port on the African coast. Well, I'd like to have a try at the reading this afternoon, providing that you have no objections. Well, we haven't been through the book as yet. Still, the subject matter does seem safe. Very well, Mr. Nolan, you may read. Thank you, Captain. Well, let's see now. Oh, here's the place, marked in red. Breathes there a man with soul so dead who never to himself have said, 
This is my own, my native land. Mr. Nolan, I... Whose heart hath ne'er within him burned, as home his footsteps he hath turned from wandering on a foreign strand. If such there be, go mark him well. <laughs> For him no minstrel raptures swell. High though his titles, proud his name. Boundless his wealth as wish can claim. Despite these titles, powers, and pelf, the rest. Heaven forgive me. Heaven forgive me. I believe he knows now what a homeland means, Captain Mitchell. I believe he does. And he'll realize it all the more when we transfer him outbound before sailing for home. How do you like the party, Mr. Nolan? Well, it's wonderful, Captain Mitchell. The music, those ladies, the Mediterranean night, the rock of Gibraltar. Why, I believe it's the pleasantest evening I've spent in years. I'm glad of that, Nolan. <laughs> you know, you've changed since you boarded my first ship four years ago. Strange how fate has brought us together again. I hope you're not displeased, Captain. Not at all. I'm happy to have you with us. Changing ships is the only excitement left me these days. I'm beginning to look forward to meeting officers like yourself. Men that I've met before. Friendly faces on far-off seas. You're becoming rather well-known in the Navy, Nolan. I do believe you're welcome to board most of the ships. Well, that makes me truly grateful, but... Why speak of things like that on such a night? I even feel like dancing. That, uh... That very charming lady over there. She and I have danced together before. One time, we knew each other rather well. I wonder if she'd remember if I asked her. Miss Rutledge? Why, Mr. Nolan! I'm charmed to see that you haven't forgotten me, Miss Rutledge. May I have the honor of dancing? I am not Miss Rutledge any longer, Mr. Nolan. No? No, I'm Mrs. Graff now. Oh, well. Good evening, Mrs. Graff. May I still have the honor of dancing? Well, I was about to dance with Lieutenant Fellows. But as he's not here... <laughs> Very well, <laughs> Mr. Nolan. Then how many years since we last danced, Miss Rutledge? Uh, Mrs. Graff? To look at you, it should have been last night. Oh, let's not talk of the years, Mr. Nolan. They go so swiftly. Do they? Once one travels, I've been in Europe. All over Europe, it seems. And you? Well, I've been all over the world, it seems. May I ask you, you're happy? Yes, very happy. I hoped you were. You have thought of me? Yes. I, um, I have so much time for thinking. And I preferred to think of what was pleasant, what was gay, what was charming. Thank you. You still walk beautifully, Mr. Nolan. It's my partner, not my waltzing. <laughs> And so our waltz is ended. Shall we sit here for a moment? There was something I meant to ask you. Yes, Mr. Noah? Now, you've been through Europe. You've seen a great deal. Sometimes I think I've seen everything. And what do you hear from home, Mrs. Graff? From home, Mr. Noah? Yes. 
I thought you were the man who never wanted to hear of home again. Mrs. Kraft. Mrs. Oh. You decided to give us a fight then, Captain Mitchell. Feel quite all right, Nelson. I think we can make a striker colors. Here, take the glass. Thank you. Well, I've come to Sussex. Well, eh? It'll be a good fight. You mind if I help, Captain? Glad to have you, Nolan. He's a tough one to crack. Are you hurt? Are you hurt? Several wounded, sir. Our gun captain's dead. Well, here, you. Get a party to carry these men to the surgeon. You and you stand by. Ready now? Fire! Good shooting, man. Let's keep it up. came out of that engagement rather well, thanks to you and your marksmanship. Well, they needed the man with that gun who knew his artillery, and I stepped in without thinking. I hope you're not displeased. Displeased? Nolan, we're deeply grateful to you. I'm mentioning you in the dispatches to show you how I personally feel. Here's my sword. I'd like you to have it. Your sword? Yes. Go ahead, put it on, Nolan. I haven't worn a sword since... If you'll excuse me, sir, I will go to my cabin. If you excuse me. Here in the brownstone theater, we are presenting The Man Without a Country... Jackson Beck and Gertrude Warner, and our guest star, Neil Hamilton, as Philip Nolan. In this brief intermission, many years have passed. The case of Philip Nolan remains officially closed. He must serve out his sentence, never to hear the name of the United States again. But as he sails the sea, day after day, he finds himself learning to love his country more and more deeply. Efforts in his behalf have not been ended, but even the return of Aaron Burr, whom Nolan followed to his own disaster, does not seem to alter matters for the better. As the curtain rises on the second part of our play, we find Nolan with Captain Mitchell discussing the report of Burr's return to America. Yes, according to reports, Aaron Burr has returned from his self-imposed exile in England. Well, I hold in no grudge against him, Captain, in spite of the fact that my exile can never end. I go my way, collecting oddities for my scientific explorations, changing ships like the shifting winds. Nolan, I might as well tell you, I was almost cashiered from the service for bringing up your case again in Washington. But why must I go on like this? Why? Surely these long years have served as penance enough. I sinned against my country, too. But others have sinned and been forgiven. Why won't they listen? No one is willing to assume the responsibility for your pardon. If I could only get back to plead for myself. Just once. Maybe you can. I think I have an idea. Next week we meet our relief ship off the coast.
work, Captain Mitchell? Not the way we planned, Nolan. Oh, sit down for a moment. Not the way we planned. It's over, then. There's no hope. I'm afraid not. You ought to go aboard Houston's ship. And I... Well, I am to lose my command. They wouldn't do that to you. They have. I'm afraid it's goodbye this time, Nolan. Why should they do this to you? I'm a Navy man, Nolan. Not my place to question. Well, don't be too downhearted. We we can write each other, you know. After I'm ashore, maybe something can be worked out. But promise me you'll not give up. In my own way, I will keep faith with you, Captain Mitchell. In my own way. Hey, Topping, you might pass me the salt. Oh, here you are. Thanks. You know, Topping, we were trying to recall a name. Uh, it was a fellow who died recently. Uh, tried to start a rebellion years ago. Oh, oh, oh that fellow. You mean uh, Burr, Aaron Burr. Oh, yes, that's oh. right, Aaron Burr. Uh, so let me tell you about him. Gentlemen. Yes, Nolan? I hope you'll excuse me. I'm sorry. Sorry. Well, what's wrong with old plain buttons Nolan? You men didn't know. What's wrong with Nolan is Aaron Burr. He was a follower of Burr. What? Yes, that's why Nolan has been out with the fleet all these years, never getting back to the States. Well, I never knew that. There aren't many who still remember why Nolan never goes home. Ah, he's a queer duck anyway. Do you know he never lets anyone set foot in his cabin? Right. That's odd. Well, we'll get rid of him soon. The old man says that when we head for home, Nolan goes out again. You're Captain Ward, aren't you? Ward it is, Nolan. You've still got a good memory, I see. I remember you from the Intrepid. Ah, that was a fine ship and a fine cruise. Well, Nolan, I I have some news for you from a friend. Who? Mitchell? Yes. I saw him before I left, and he sends you his sincerest regards. Well, how is he? What else did he say? Oh, he's still in the Navy. As a matter of fact, he hopes to get a new command soon. Do you think... That is, do you suppose... Will I ever sail with Mitchell again? I don't know, Nolan. Time alone will tell. Dear Captain Mitchell... Unfortunately, I've been confined of late to my cabin. You see, I'm not as young as I used to be. <laughs> Only the knowledge of your friendship sustains me during this period of meeting young and strange faces. Old plain buttons, they call me. Most of them either do not know or have forgotten why I am here. Only in their manner of speech and lack of reference to the land from whence we both came is it clear that those orders which seem to have eternal use are 
still in force. I have not heard from you in some time. Please write your most respectful friend, Philip Dolan. Joe, Joe, you should have seen her. It's the first time I was ever on a slave ship, and it's going to be the last if I can help it. What'll be the last time, Bolton? Begging your pardon, Mr. Nolan. I was just telling Joe about that slave ship we ran across yesterday. The slaves should have been grateful for their deliverance. Well, that they were, Mr. Nolan, but Mr. Gibbs had a hard time at first. He told him he'd put them ashore at Las Palmas, and that didn't please him so much. One big fella got up and made a speech. But I didn't understand the language. I heard that speech, and I understood it. He said, take us home. Take us to our own country. To the women and children of our hearts. Our fathers and mothers will die if they do not see us again. Take us home, please. Take us home. How old are you, Bosun? Twenty-one, Mr. Nolan. Twenty-one. Bosun, let what that poor slave said show what it is to be without a family, without a home, and without a country. If you're ever tempted to say a word or do a thing that will put a bar between you and your family, your home, and your country, pray God it is mercy to take you that instant home to his heaven. I will, Mr. Nolan. I will. Oh, if somebody had only said that to me when I was your age. Thank you, Captain Danforth. You wanted to see me. Yes, I... Uh, I don't quite know how to begin. <laughs> uh, my capacity for absorbing bad news has grown tremendously in the past 50-odd years, Captain. <laughs> <clears throat> Come now, don't spare me. I'm to be transferred again. No, no, it's, it's more than that. If it were only that, it would... It couldn't be... Mitchell? Something's happened to Mitchell. Yes. Captain Mitchell is dead. No. According to my information, he died a few weeks ago. And almost to the moment of his death, he was still pleading your cause. Mitchell. My friend. Mitchell. Nolan. Nolan. Much more comfortable, thank you. Sorry to have bothered you. Stupid of an old man. Right, don't be silly. You don't look any older than I do. You'll be out on deck in the spring sun before many days. No, you don't believe that, do you, Doctor? 
No use in fooling me, you know. No. There isn't. Will you ask the captain to step into my cabin, please? Immediately. the conversations I overheard, and then I would mark my map as best I could. <laughs> Danforth, I must ask a favor of you. At your command, Norm. I know I'm dying. I shall never get home. Surely you'll tell me something now. But I... Hear me through. There is not a man on this not a man in all America. God bless us. More loyal than us. There cannot be another man who loves the old flag as I do, or prays for it as I do, or hopes for it as I do. Tell me. Tell me everything before I die. Where? Where shall I begin? Bless you, Stanford. And tell me the names on the flag. What are the states? How, how many have we? Yeah, let me have the map. <coughs> uh, here is Texas. Splendid. Splendid. I guessed at that. Uh, and Oregon and California. Ah, that's why I was not permitted to go ashore off the western coast. Continue, pray, pray, continue. And over here... We have Montana. Just to think. Fifty years of history covered in so little time. Enough, Danforth. I am content. Is there... Anything else I can do for you, Nolan? Just hand me my prayer book, please. Oh, yes, of course. It will open at the right place. You are? Now, let us read. For ourselves and, and our country. country. Oh, gracious God. Gracious. We thank thee 
that... Nolan. Nolan. This slip was in his Bible, Captain Bamford. Huh? Bury me in the sea. It's been my home, and I love it. But will not someone set up a stone for my memory at Fort Adams or at Orleans that my disgrace may not be more than I ought to bear? And say on it, in memory of Philip Nolan, lieutenant in the Army of the United States, he loved his country as no other man has loved her. What no man deserved less at her hand. We have sat together in the Brownstone Theater for this performance of Edward Everett Hale's The Man Without a Country, with our Brownstone Theatre stars, Gertrude Warner and Jackson Beck, and our guest star, Neil Hamilton, who played Philip Nolan. This play is especially timely when all of us still have so much to do for our country. So much to do in this war. A war which we must continue to support by buying more war bonds, as many more as possible, in the seventh war loan. We have large quotas to meet, but they are necessary quotas. We should regard it as a patriotic privilege to meet them. Thank you for listening. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, feel free to contact me at host at dailytimemachine.com. And we'll see you tomorrow.